Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything but mostly just the stuff we like. We weren't quite sure what to talk about on this week's episode, and we were contemplating a kickoff of our 18-part series on the underlying meaning of Moby Dick. Uh, <laughs> not, not the book, the drum solo. But then, then, thank Favreau, Friday came along and settled all of our plans for us. So this week, we'll be going all in on a galaxy far, far away with this, episode 46, Bo Knows Mando. <clears throat> My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who once faced down a Yeti with nothing more than a coat hanger and a broken Colt 45 bottle, which would be much more impressive if it were a giant monstrous mountain creature instead of an overpriced cooler, but whatever. <laughs> he is the Daniel Bryan to my cane. We are the podcast tag team of your dreams. And nightmares. I give you the man they call Tim. Hello, my brother. How we doing? I am doing all right, sir. I'm. I'm. You know what? I'm feeling kind of sassy. I got my sassy pants on. Oh, it's, oh, it's going to be a spirited episode today. This has been a well spirited in more ways than one, if oh. you know what I'm saying. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I've I've become a bad influence on Timmy, and 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 now uh, we we are both uh, uh, bourbonizing this uh, this episode. Aren't <laughs> we, we we are. We are. We are. United on on the bourbon front, my friend. Ah, cheers, sir, to your health. Absolutely, and to yours as well. Ah, here's looking up your old address. Anyways, <laughs> there's a mash reference for you. Good lord. <laughs> so, anyways, before we get too far into this, I want to make sure I ask: Can you name the tag team? Uh, if memory serves correct, that would be uh, Team Hell No. Woo! Oh, that's right. Ah, okay. thank you very much. I thought I might have stumped you on that one, but as usual, your wrestling knowledge just wins the day. It does. It does. Now, if I could only parlay that into my fantasy team. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, if I can only parlay half of the useless stuff that I know into useful skills that would make some money, I mean, that'd be... Make money, money, make money, money, money! I mean, if you're worried about your fantasy team, t- team, that's not even a first world problem. That's like an, that's like a upper ten percent first world problem. Uh-huh. That is true. That is true. But anyways, uh, but let's. You know what? Uh, how about we get ourselves into the weekend geek before we get to the meats of the matter here? It's right here, right? It's looking at me. So funky. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so what do you a, got? as becoming custom uh, during this particular season of the year, we will first turn to the matchups that make up the fantasy football for Uncle Todd and I. Dun, the, dun, dun, dun. That's right. Bum, 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 bum. Our own... I can't use Sad the music. Attempt at management. Uh, what? We'll get in trouble. I've, I can't use the actual music, but I'm just going to sing it, and that way it'll it won't sound anything like it. 
oh, wait a minute. Actually, we're, our ass is lucky we haven't gotten sued so far for half of the things we do. Never mind. Maybe I'll just uh, drop the music in. Well, so I, I will start with my team. Uh, this, this week, I decided to change things up a bit and not actually uh, switch over to the quarterback that did well the prior week. I stayed... You know, tried and true with Tom Brady this week, and and I was rewarded for my patience. Uh, yes. He posted a very respectable sixty-one fantasy points, uh, as I've talked about in the past. Forty to sixty is considered a good day. As Dana Carvey said, "Stay the course." That's right. That's Thousand right. Points of light. I I succeeded in not leaving uh, a whole lot of points uh, on the bench uh, or, or or any that would make me cry. Actually, hold on a second now. I mean, we are talking—I mean, first of all, as we are recording this at the moment, the Patriots have begun their game against Baltimore. Oh, who the hell am I kidding? Cam Newton's going to score like 10 points. Never mind. <laughs> I, I was going to try and make something out of that, but I can't. I can't with a straight face. Well, and, and, and before I forget, jumping back to last week, I, I ended up— uh, be- because of 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 the the curse that is on me with the quarterbacks, <laughs> I ended up uh, losing. A pox be upon your house. Oh, sir. very uh, a pox <laughs> times two. Uh, I lost, and had I played uh, Newton instead of Brady, I would have actually beat my opponent by one point. Mm-hmm. So, I, so once again, going. To to the wise one, Carl Weathers, I I reference Rocky Three, the end of the movie, as he's walking to the ring to have his foe bout with with one Rocky Balboa. Mm-hmm. I will say this: I lost by one point. One point. That's very hard for a man of my intelligence to handle. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. All roads go back to Carl and one one character or another that he's played. So. <laughs> I can't wait for him to show up on on Mando. I'm oh. oh my gosh, we have not had grief cargo yet, and we're in dire need of it. Yep, just a little tap taparoo. <laughs> just Mando, tap just tap it in. Just tap it in. Get off oh me, man! My gosh, my gosh. <laughs> Jeez. Anywho, so how you doing this week? So, you're, you're- so this week, I my patience paid off. Brady's doing well. Um, I had one wide receiver on the bench that maybe it would have been better to start, but it really we were talking about a matter of like five extra points, which I guess in this matchup would actually matter. Yeah, uh, but I am down to my kicker, uh, and my opponent is down to a wide receiver. Mm. So uh, things are not looking very good for me. Uh, it's maybe another uh, one I lose by by a squeaker, but. I am holding out hope that uh, that the Baltimore kicker Jay Tucker, whatever Jay stands for, uh, well Justin maybe, uh, yeah. will will boot my my rear end into the victory column this week. Uh, but we shall see. Well, yeah. as we speak, he just got a point after. So, but but before he did that, it actually so the the chances on Yahoo they tell you the chance that you have to win. So right now it was it's fifty seven to forty three percent chance that you. You're the 43. Your opponent is 57 uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. percent chance to win. Before he got that PAT, it was 60-40. Like it had just shot up as the game had gone on. Like, <laughs> oh no, this ain't looking good. They're down. So, like one point helped keep you at least so that you're you're somewhat respectable. Yes. But yeah, I got to admit that's not that's not a high percentage uh, gig you're playing there. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. And and how are you? How is your team doing, sir? 
Uh, you know, all right. Uh, so well, let, all... let's start with last week. So you won last week, right? Yes. So I am currently uh, in a two two way tie for third place uh, at five and four, which is fairly respectable. I'm on a four game win streak, uh, which is the longest in our league. Uh, we got two teams uh, tied for second at six and three, and then the the lone first place team at seven and two. Uh, however, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I'm I, I'm down by one point right now, but I'm still very much in the hunt here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. I just take take a quick peek here. Uh, I got they got a they got a uh, a 26 percent chance to win. I've got a 74 percent chance to win because all of my players have played except. The New England defense, which is playing right now, and one Mr. Dalvin Cook, otherwise known as as the, the seventy-point masochist, the, the player I'm just gonna ride into, <laughs> like sea biscuit into the into the postseason if, oh I, if I get gosh. there. So I've got him going. I'm feeling pretty good about this because uh, right now I think who's uh, is there anyone any of his guys still going? No. He's got uh, no. this guy's wide receiver going tomorrow night, so I'm feeling pretty good about this. So that if I can, if I can oh, do I this, yep, yep. and if you could do me a solid and somehow hold on, then I would actually I could be in a in a, a tie for oh no I'd still be in a tie for third place, but I would still I would still be I'd still be two games no I'd be one game out because I think the I think nice. the top team might actually lose their game. <clears throat> nice. So I don't know, man. This I'm I'm it's going tight. from. It's a tight race. I'm going from worst to first, baby. They all hate you. Mm-mm. I love you. Oh, it's just oh. Jeez, oh, here we go. Loving how this is going. Here we go. Yep. So that's it. That's it's going pretty well right now. Nice. Going pretty well. So you know nice. what? You you need to get that kicker. You need to root for him. Say a prayer for him. Light a candle. Something. So the the, the kicker I had been playing. I I don't have my roster up right. Oh, here it is. Okay, so. Uh, I had been playing. He's on bye this week. What is his name? One second. Uh, Young Ho Koo of the dude. Atlanta. I had him earlier in the season. I dropped him. Yeah, he's been posting like thirteen plus point weeks for a kicker. That like, yeah, in our league, that's insane. Like yeah, I was kicking. Maybe I was get kicking myself points. for dropping that dude. Well, thank you. I appreciate the uh, little something something you threw my way. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, let's see if Tucker can uh, do me proud. Put up Ugh. some respectable points, and I hope that Jay Jefferson on Minnesota trips on his way to the locker room tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Develops a severe ingrown toenail or something. Yeah. So, something that just keeps me afloat. So there's your fantasy football update, as if any of you care. I- and switching and switching gears from football over to a uh, little sci-fi, a little sci-fi that we're going to talk about in a moment here. But, uh, but, but an article I saw uh, this week that I thought was kind of interesting – uh, talking about George Lucas and his original vision for the sequel trilogy uh, oh, actually sounded pretty sweet. I, I, I don't know if you had a chance to read this article. No. Okay. No. I, I'm guessing what Jar Jar ends up being the next emperor. I, I, I no, no, no. So so what, what he kind of walks through, and I'll try to be quick about this, is he planned for – so the first trilogy, prequels, was about the father. Second was about the son, so, so mm-hmm. the, the original one. And then this third trilogy was meant to be about the daughter and the grandchildren. And what he wanted to focus on, and and again, this is one of these things that I think Lucas comes up with great concepts, but I don't know that he knows how to execute them very well. You know what I'm saying? Like like dialogue-wise and potentially (laughs) story-wise. But his idea was this. 
So like 90% of the actual thing is he's great at that 10%. The rest. He's great at the 10%. The trailers look amazing. You get to the movie, you're like, oh. <laughs> but here, here, here's what he was saying. So, okay, you fought the war. You killed everyone. Now what are you going to do? And he said, rebuilding afterwards is harder than starting a rebellion or fighting the war. When you win the war and you disband the opposing army, what do they do? And so that's what he was going to kind of focus on was, you know, how the stormtroopers would like he I guess a lot of this was going to be kind of built around what he observed uh, the world going through during um, the Iraq war, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how, you know, what would the stormtroopers become? You know, they, they wouldn't immediately want to jump over to the other side. They would refuse to give up when the Republic wins. And and one of the more interesting aspects of that would be how there would be then be a power vacuum in the in the galaxy, so to speak, as the New Republic was trying to get its legs underneath it, mm-hmm. and talking about how um, the gangster network, like the Huts and others, are taking advantage of the situation. Um, so one key person he calls out is Darth Maul, who we last saw uh, in the Solo movie as the head of a crime syndicate. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of how Darth Maul would be used as a character to kind of bring together that underworld. Um, but he would not be the primary bad guy. The other one would be this, this character that Maul had trained. Because at, at, at the time of the sequel trilogy, uh, Maul would be extremely old. Mm-hmm. And so he had, would have trained a, a girl named Darth Talon as his apprentice. And that would be kind of the primary antagonist to go against whoever he was kind of thinking of. Um, the end result would be that eventually the New Republic would be, would get established with Leia as the Supreme Chancellor and, and with the idea being that, you know, she would end up kind of being the chosen one really in the end. Um, hmm. And so the trilogy would be kind of ending on on her ascension to her role as as now leading the galaxy and, and you know, that government uh, forward uh, in the sequel trilogy. I mean, it sounds kind of cool. I mean, for one... There's no there's no emperor in this, you know, for for for, for one. Well, yeah. For, for two, I really like the idea of him trying to address some of the and, and this was something that I was hoping they would address after episode seven, because in, in seven, if you remember, in Force Awakens, the New Republic is wiped out. The the star yeah. the Star Killer base destroys the the essentially the uh, the the system that they base the government in, so there is no government going into the Last Jedi, and I was hoping they were going to capitalize on that and kind of bring that facet into the the overall story, and they never did. Um, he's talking about here how you know the gangster network would kind of come in as you know kind of a a power player while there was no government established and being kind of a thorn in their side. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of cool, you know, and. Uh, and, and getting Maul involved with, you know, having him with the mechanical legs because, you know, it had already been established in Clone Wars that he was alive and 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 that he was, um, you know, basically had, you know, artificial legs to allow him to continue doing what he was doing. So I, I just thought that whole concept was kind of interesting, even though poor George would probably uh, not do so hot in the dialogue department. So now when when were these plans exactly? Huh? When I mean, when, when was this interview? Was this interview fairly recently, or this was? Oh. Yeah, this was recently. And so when? Did, but when were these plans developed? Like, when was he writing this in the '90s? Was he writing this in the 2000s? Or is this like, hey, I had some ideas, and now I'm dusting them off, and because I'm a little bit bitter about the fact that they didn't take any of the notes that I gave them for what episode seven, eight, nine were supposed to be. Here's my way of you know 
being kind of a jerk about it. No, no. Well, apparently this is coming from a book that came out recently. It's called The Star Wars Archives 1999 through 2005, and it provides okay. some ideas that he had in, in in mind for doing a sequel trilogy. Okay. I, I, think okay, he that, pres- I, I think those ideas were presented, but Disney turned them down because this was at the point where he had sold the, the, the company already. Okay. So this is, okay. I just, I didn't know if it was established that these came from a certain period of time or if this is a, it's like a little bit of revisionist history. So, which I can buy. Like, okay. So I like the ideas. However, I also understand why they didn't use this. Yeah. Yeah. Because number one, I mean, how... The, the major problem is you're so far away from like it's really hard to believe that over the span of what are we talking 25 years mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. return of the jedi to uh, to i would have to do the math and we all know how i do with math so i'm not going to even bother i'll leave that to maybe you Uncle actually Todd's doing all math. about the maths yeah i'm all about messing up the maths so but this that's a long period of time. Okay, so you're, you're, the entire thing is premised on the fact that, oh, well, the, the New Republic is you know still on shaky footing. After 20-some-odd years, I mean, it's just tough to, to buy that because you can't get around the fact that your main characters are still old. No matter, no matter yeah. I mean, they are, and, and, and Luke and Leia are still, I don't know if he had any plans for Han or anything like that, but they're still old. They are old. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. You know? And you, it's not like it's taking place five years after, ten years after. I mean, in 20 years, they can't get a handle on this thing? Yeah. I, that's really kind of hard to believe. So I can kind of understand why they had to like, okay, well, we kind of have to go in another direction. Because it's not really realistic that the New Republic would be in shambles in that way. Of course, I don't know if the First Order makes a whole lot of sense but or you know, or how that all would shake out. I never really thought about it as opposed right. to what what could have been. I don't know. I can I can see why they shot it down. I still think fanboys and and girls would have been pissed because it's not what they want. They wanted the further saga of they wanted more Luke. They wanted more Leia and this wouldn't have been what they wanted. Right. I I kind of misread the end of what so he said by the end of the trilogy Luke would have rebuilt much of the Jedi and we would have the renewal of the new republic with Leia becoming the supreme Ch- So it may have been that they tried to kickstart a new government and he's he's using basically what I think he's trying to do is using the friction of the struggle to establish something new in the vacuum of what once was. Mm-hmm. And that over two decades that it didn't you know really pan out. But in this story he was going to tell, this was kind of the inflection point where where they deal not only with the the gangster syndicate, but also the the new you know Sith apprentice that Maul has in in play mm-hmm. um, to to basically get to a place where the Jedi are kind of reestablished and the New Republic is finally like you know made I guess yeah I don't know I almost I hmm. I mean it, it, at least there's continuity with it you know to to the la- to to the prior two trilogies yeah well there's continuity of the third one too. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, there's continuity to what happened. The more, I, mean, I don't know, the, the the more I think about it, Rise of Skywalker just doesn't sit well with me. Well, yeah. You know, the Palpatine I mean, thing really is just, oh, oh yeah. gosh, that, that really, ugh. Do it. But that's a, that's a, that's a function of, of trying to course correct in midway and, 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 in my opinion, wussing out. Don't they do just, it. 
They just do it. They couldn't do it. I don't know. Anyways, we've already gone down that road. What I would like, I would actually like to see if we can get an episode with Jimmy Dice to talk to talk about this because I'd be interested to hear what he has to say and to have a little more time to think about it. Yeah. I still stand yeah. by. The fact that it's it's too much time. Do it. And I I I would have to really think about how you would make that work. Do it. Yeah. Um. And I still stand by the fact that it would still piss off a lot of Star Wars fans. Do it. That, because yeah. I don't think there's any way to appease a lot of those folks. Do it. Uh, unless you were to remake shot for shot episode four, and then they'd probably still crap over over it. Do it. You know. It's really too bad they didn't use Lucas as kind of an ideation, you know, tool. You know, like let him ideate on where he sees the story going but then put it in the hands of people like like we've seen what ha- what's what's happened with the Mandalorian with Favreau and Filoni if you put it in the hands of the right people who know how to write to the Star Wars universe you can create some pretty cool stuff yeah you know I, I, mean? I don't I don't agree I don't think it works because you don't think it works all right Lucas has always run his own show he's selling he's he's always damn right I'm selling Uncle Todd's I, selling all right he's He's always run his own show. He's been very independent and fiercely independent and very proud of that. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to take, I mean, I don't think he's going to take kindly to someone else saying, no, I don't like that idea. I mean, I don't think he took well to, it took him a while to kind of come around on some of the, on some of the, uh, the, the sequel trilogy movies because they didn't take his ideas. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be really hard to have someone in that position just like, hey, George, just come up with the ideas and we'll execute them when he's always been like, no, I've always been able to do everything and what I say goes. Yeah. It's very hard to then take that person and say, yeah, just throw us ideas and we'll maybe use some of them and maybe we won't use some of them. I, I don't even I, I can't see him agreeing to do that, I, I guess. I, I is mean, the un- primary unless thing. you're dealing with people like a Dave Filoni, which maybe Filoni is just a just a unique case where he just happens to possess the Lucas mindset, but also possesses the the tools to to write really good stories. Yeah, but I think the other thing is you can't take it out of context. Like I don't think that Dave Filoni would have been able to have that sort of clout back then, or or a person in his position would have had the same clout back then. When because you're talking about making these movies now, what six, seven, eight years ago? Yeah. Having not gone through the experience of the postquel tr- trilogy. I don't know that George is as receptive to the Mandalorian. Like, if you'd come out with that instead of Episode Seven, he might have been like, "I don't really like that." That's not how I envision Mandalorian. That's yeah, a pretty I mean, good impression, man. It's all you do is do Kermit, but just less intelligible. And so, <laughs> you, I don't, I don't, I think now having gone through that experience, yeah, he's okay with the Mandalorian because it's probably closer to what he recognizes as his version of Star Wars. Yeah. And he's already gone through all this and maybe mellowed and, and gone through the roller coaster of emotions. I don't know if it would have been the same had he not gone through that experience. I think he can't take that out and just say, oh, it would have gone perfectly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I think this would be a, I think it'd be a good topic for a an entire episode, honestly. Like a I could fantasy talk about booking this sort of episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could do that. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll put it in the episode backlog. Do it. We've already spent like 10 minutes doing it now. I kidding? know. I got- this this weekend geek is going long, man. Here. Uh, next one, WandaVision. Uh, this was one oh, you found, my friend. You, you yes. want to expound? No, I want you to go over this one because I honestly, I'm I'm just gonna sit here and enjoy hearing it. Oh, so with I want it read to me with with <laughs> WandaVision. Uh, apparently, when they were filming, uh, they decided to in in kind of the spirit of the old sort of uh, sitcom style of of television show. Uh, film it in front of a live studio audience. Well, the 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 parts that are framed as the sitcom. Yeah, device. yeah. I, I apologize. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, th- which 
Which was, I think, is a great idea. And because this entire thing looks absolutely bat spit insane, and I love it. Yeah. I'm, I cannot wait to get my eyeballs on this because it just looks nuts. And, I, and, and the fact that you have a live studio audience for some of those, I'm like, oh, please, yes. Yeah. And I love the fact that apparently because of, you know, what Vision's normal skin would be, uh, it didn't quite register in, in the monochromatic color scheme, so they had to paint Paul Bettany blue. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's great. <laughs> this poor guy, he's like like painted probably head to toe blue. Yeah. Um, but but uh, still unerringly polite. And proper, yes. Because but but the showrunner uh, Jacques Chaffrer, I guess his oh. name is. Uh, is that one of the Rougeau brothers that we don't know? About? I think so. We oui, we. Oui. Uh, the <laughs> show is a love letter to the golden age of television. <laughs> you almost made me spit my bourbon on that. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Do it. I do. And you, did you notice the part where they actually went and talked to Dick Van Dyke? About, uh, like, no, I oh I didn't I didn't see that no. Yeah, they went back because uh, I guess uh, was it Feige or someone else had when they were kind of trying to mull over the entire, or uh, maybe it was maybe it was Jacques I don't know but when they were talking about creating the thing, they he he was kind of like I just went back and started watching old sitcoms because like I couldn't watch right. the news anymore and right. so that kind of gave him a lot of inspiration for the look and for the idea of bringing in the studio audience and they actually I guess. They went and talked to. I thought they talked to Dick Van Dyke. They, Maybe it was they, someone they else. They did. I found this spot in the article. Yep. Yeah. And and to kind of get like, how did you do this and make it real? Like, how did you? How did it it work? And I think that was actually what he said is like we did. We wouldn't do anything that couldn't actually happen. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, that's just so great that you went back and had a resource like that. Number one, because I mean, good lord, anytime you can talk to Dick. I saw. I just the other night, uh, fam. I can't. I can't remember. I came home from somewhere in the and and my daughter and my wife were watching Night at the Museum mm-hmm. and I'd forgotten Dick Van Dyke was in that and he's playing the bad guy and I'm like oh my gosh Dick Van Dyke as a bad guy so I mean but he's fantastic just like chewing scenery everywhere it's like oh it's great but the fact that they went back and, and like hey this is kind of the era that we're talking about right. why would you not talk to Dick Van Dyke I mean right. Dick Van Dyke show was was hilarious you know uh, so yeah I, that, that was just great to, to read that well, oh, and, and and it was great. They kind of used him as a resource to understand like what made his show. Like when they approached, when he approached his show, like what what were they doing? And and the quote was, his answer was really simple. He basically said that if it couldn't happen in real life, it couldn't happen on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there you have it. You know. Yeah. Um, and and so it, it it's going to be interesting to see. You know, with with Marvel, like like I, I get kind of a vibe from this show, like I got from Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like it seems so far off the Marvel path that you're thinking to yourself, how on earth is this going to be good? Yeah. And then it ends up being phenomenal. Well, because they've they've got such a backlog of goodwill in the bank. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, there's such a trust level with them because everything they do, they just end up doing it really well and, and with a lot of care. Yeah. And, I mean, good Lord, the, the amount of, excuse me, the amount of, like, Money, number one, they're throwing at these things. I mean, to have like Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany doing a TV show, that ain't cheap. Like, they're not like, oh no, I'll do it for free. Uh, no, they're getting paid. And you're doing special effects and everything else. And oh, by the way, we've got Sebastian Stan and, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on Falcon's name. Oh. I feel horrible. Because he's one of, he's like one of my favorite 
he's one of my favorite uh, like actors in the Marvel universe because he so wanted to do it. Like he was like so amped up to be in it. And then of course like his his like catchphrase whenever they would have a take it was cut the check. I just oh my gosh I just love the guy and I can't remember his name. Shoot, uh, I just watched Winter Soldier the other day too. I'm looking it up. Hold on. Yeah, Anthony Mackie. Like Anthony Mack. Oh, and such a great name too. It's almost as good as like you know like a, what was the dude? That, what, it was a fullback for Seattle for your Max Strong or something like that. Oh like, yeah. Oh good, good lord. There's only a couple of like things that you can do with that name. You're either going to be you know in a circus, play football, or you're going to be in those films that they have in the back room uh, behind the curtain that they want to check an ID before you go oh, back Oh, sweet here. Moses. Come on. Well, <laughs> dude, you tell me. Come on. Come oh, on. Oh, boy. You know, you know there's – I mean, come on. Uh, anyways. Anything so, else yeah. on WandaVision? <laughs> no, but but so, but but so think about it. you got all these series coming out. I know. And they've got – it's not like BC-level talent. Like, they've got – like, the, they're bringing the, the characters and the actors from the movie onto TV. Yep. Yep. I mean, they're putting so much into this. It's and I mean, come on. And the thing that I like is actually. So I've read a couple of little theories that Wanda is basically going to be the big bad in Doctor Strange. Oh, interesting. That she's being set up as kind of like a, a bad guy because yep. the whole thing with Vision is going to kind of drive her a little bit crazy, mm-hmm. you know. So, oh my gosh, so much to look forward to. So much to look forward to. Oh, thank you. We're through the dry season. We get Mandalorian and WandaVision. Yep. Of course, we'll have another dry season because eventually all this stuff's going to run out. <laughs> and just in time for winter, when you know you want to be outside running, what, oh, did, yeah. what did Uncle Todd find? Last oh, item for Weekend Geek. The Adidas uh, Mandalorian shoes. This is such a cash grab. And they're kids' shoes. They're kids' shoes. These are like uh, you and I. You and I can't go out and buy these. These they're kid shoes. And what's the MSRP, sir? Uh, oh shoot, I don't have it up right now. <laughs> oh, I'll, t- I'll tell you right now. Go ahead. It's a hun- hundred and twenty dollars. Are you kidding me? For kid shoes, one twenty. We're not even talking like teenagers. One twenty. These, like, these are like little kid shoes. Little little kid shoes. The ones that are gonna grow out of in like eight months. Oh my gosh. Are you fucking kidding me? Hundred twenty dollars. <coughs> Can I get it? Can I get it? Hell no! <laughs> I'm coughing. <laughs> Am I gonna have, gonna have to call your wife? Come down and do the Heimlich maneuver? Uh, no, I'm good now. I'm good. <laughs> that that Kentucky hug get a little out of control. I I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> One twenty is ridiculous for kids' you, shoes. Well, it's a combination. You're having a seltzer, the bourbon, and the price of the shoes all just hit you like. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what it was. <laughs> When you said the price, I was in the middle of a a gulp of seltzer. I'm like, what? (laughs) Your body just rebelled on a cellular level. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow. One of the more ridiculous things I've seen on the Internet. And that's saying a lot these days, ladies and gentlemen. That is. That is. Oh, Just my incredible. gosh. So is that all we got for Week in That's Geek, That's all sir? we got for Week in Geek. I apologize again for the extended edition of it, but, hey, we had a lot of news to get through. So, Well, we did, and I had a lot of blabbering to do. But that's every show, so people ought to be used to it by now. But now to the business. Oh, yes. Oh, so I watched this episode. Uh, our, our family does uh, Friday Night Mandalorian, so I think it's, it becomes available, like, early in the morning on Friday. So technically, I could I could, like wake up real early and creep to the TV and watch this before anyone wakes up, but I mm-hmm. don't. Uh, because, you know, I 
don't want my family to hate me. And so we do Mando together on Friday nights. Nice. And so I had seen a spoiler-ish sort of thing to know that this was going to happen probably sometime in season two, but I didn't know when. And then Friday night watching it, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of interesting. This is kind of... <gasps> and damn near fell off the couch. Nice. Because, nice. ladies and gentlemen, all of my geekdom kind of came together at once. The only thing that could have, like, com- completed all of this is if, like, Captain Kirk had been in this as well. Like, then all of the geekness would have, it would have been like... Wait a minute. Anti-matter and matter touching. I you know? I think the, the only other thing that could have enhanced this would have been the Admiral showing up somehow. <laughs> Do it. You know he might have been. In, he might have been the. He might have actually been the uh, the Mon Calamari who was who was at the landing pad because that that was a very like Admiral Adama expression when when the Razor Crest touched down. Oh, that was fantastic! Touchdown with air quotes. Just hands on the hips, just shaking his head like okay. <laughs> but so so, ladies and gentlemen, if I may, finally, Bo Katan has come back to the Mandalorian. Uh-huh. Amen. Glorious. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious. And I will defend. I will defend. And of course, Bo Katan. No, it's Katan. Was uh, played by actress uh, Katie Sackhoff from Star, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Starbuck! Oh. Starbuck. Uh, what do you hear, Starbuck? Nothing but the rain. <laughs> oh, good lord! I was oh my gosh! I was unreasonably excited oh. for this episode. And as soon as as soon as like as soon as the Mandalorians touched down on the boat, I was just like, "All right, we know what we're talking about this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Case closed. We mm-hmm. <laughs> all set now." Because I can talk about this for a couple hours. So as I shared with you in the pre 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 production meeting, mm-hmm. uh, I'm watching it and. Uh, you know, we're we're watching it on on a TV where we're we're sitting back a little bit from it, so you know, volumes turned up, you know, to to somewhat of an acceptable level. But but we have the subtitles on because uh, you know, I'm getting up there in in years and my hearing's going. What? Huh? Eh. What? Who? Where? Oh wait. Why? What? 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 Go back to the old Steve Austin th- call. Oh, that was fantastic. And it's it, you know, I think in some ways it still lives on, even uh, you know. 15 years later but uh good lord that's been 15 years oh yes oh that was like 2000 i mean probably more than 15 it's like 2002 2003 i just sprouted five gray hairs thank you well you're welcome uh but when uh when the three mandalorians land on the boat and uh, dispatch of the Quarren, and then uh, she utters her first line. The subtitles or the closed captioning says "Bo Katan," and then her line. And I'm like, "No, let me find out." It's like one second later, she takes her helmet off, and I'm like, "Okay, Starbuck, yeah. baby, Starbuck." Now, to be fair, if you've watched either Clone Wars or Rebels, I mean, the design of the of the of her helmet kind of gives it away. Yes, but and and I am not a student of those shows, so sadly, I need to go back and study up. So now, how, however, we have been head faked enough in this show throughout, you know, the first season and this season 
to kind of know not to take everything at face value. So yes. there there was a little pause as I as even then as I, I'm getting all excited. I'm like, oh, maybe please don't don't Favreau, don't jerk me around with this. Don't mess with me. Don't toy with my emotions. Playing with my money is like playing with my emotions. And oh man, yeah. Then then the helmet comes off, and oh. And you know this, man. Dude, I. Uncle yeah. Todd was a happy man. Yep, because I'd I'd seen that I'd seen it I'd seen it uh like uh, an article like you know Mandalorian star Katie Sackhoff and I'm like well I guess that kind of takes away a little the shine off of that even yeah. though. Yeah. You know, those rumors are floating around for a while. But I mean, so much kind of get getting paid off in this. I mean, oh. you get you get Bo Katan, you get that that uh, epic shot of the Razor Crest limping into Trask. Uh, you now, know, which at, is at this another point, one checked off the list from the trailer. Well, I was going to say at, at this point, I, I mean, I got to go look, watch the trailer again. But at this point, I think we've hit all the major scenes from the trailer, haven't we? I know. I, I was going to go do that. I didn't have time to do it before we started recording. But yes, I need to go back and start checking those off because I'm pretty sure we've got most of it at this point. The one that I remember standing out in my mind was that last shot of the Razor Crest just kind of limping somewhere. And mm-hmm. it kind of made you think that, uh, oh, man, Mando's not doing so hot. Well, it turns out it was it was just, you know, what we talked about from from uh, from episode from chapter 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, he limps into uh, Trask. And uh, I, I got to tell you, the landing. Oh, it was Apollo 13, dude. Like, I noticed that on the second rewatch, because then you start seeing like the little droplets where the condens- like the, yep. the, the, the condensation was coming down mm-hmm. and, the, and the burn. I'm like, we're in Apollo. Like we're, we're now we're just now it, we're just showing off because the other thing is who directed Apollo 13? Ah, Mr. Ron Howard. And who directed this episode? Uh, Miss Bryce Dallas Howard. Damn it. I mean, it's just like not even fair at this point. They're just like, it's just like, it's so easy. It's like watching Bo Jackson in Tecmo Bowl. Like that, mm-hmm. it's it's like, no, no, it's just, it's too easy. It ain't fair. Oh, ain't she, she, fair. she knocked this one out of the park, my friend. She oh, knocked she is, this one out of the park. Oh, she is so, so good at these. Now, if, oh, if I may let my geek flag fly here a little bit, something is stupid as re-entry into a planet. Mm-hmm. We had never seen that in a Star Wars movie. No. Well, partly like, like because... That, like that part yeah. of of the of the reality of, of, you know, this universe, we have never really seen play out in the movies. And yet here we are finally getting... Like, this is why I love this show. Mm. Like, this is the sort of stupid geek detail that is lacking from the movies for good reason. But you get... You, you you have the time in this show and 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 in these you know kind of compressed episodes to kind of explore these things because they're telling slivers of, of a of a of a bigger story. Yes, and and I really enjoy the fact that they put that kind of thought into the detail of you know it's not just we're limping in and we're just gonna thump, go through the atmosphere and land. Yeah, you know we're we're, we're understanding. Oh, there's a landing array. I've never heard of that before. Wonderful. Goes yeah. in, you know, and the whole time you're just kind of like, man, is this thing going to burn up or what? And I love how he employs the frog lady as part of the landing process. Yes. It's like, hold this as hard as you can, otherwise we're done for. <laughs> yeah. And then she's got to decide, how am I going to hang, you know, how am I going to hang on to the cool, like the, the tube full of eggs? And- oh, my gosh, yeah. 
Oh man, yeah, the whole oh that whole sequence was great because again, it's like it's adding even though you're pretty sure the Mandalorian ain't going to get burned to a cinder in that because right. I mean, right. well, he's the title character. It adds that extra thing like it didn't have to be this thing, but they managed to throw this sequence in that really it there is tension there. Mm-hmm. Like they actually do a good job of even though you're like I don't really believe that Mando and Baby Yoda are going to kick in this. But they managed to create that tension. It's great. It's a great storytelling device. And again, like you were saying, like something you've never seen in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, it was, gr- it was great. And and what was really cool was when you get the shot of the landing platform on Trask, you know, I mm-hmm. I, I thought it, and, and I said this when we were watching as a family, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. The fact that they were using, you know, the the body of of, of a walker with mm. with a crane on top. Yes, you know what I mean. Like like actually like putting something like that to some real practical kind of use. Yeah, uh, in 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 the confines of of that planet and it being kind of this like seaport and sort and, and that sort of thing. I, I just thought, you know, again, geek flag is out and uh, I'm I'm geeking, baby. Do it. Well, and then the fact that I mean, just the whole deal with like the landing, and the you know you got this ship going like burning up and stuff, and then they have that one shot. Uh, they start showing like the view from the landing platform, and you have that one Mon Calamari who's just standing there looking up watching the thing come down they cut back to him a couple times and then the thing hovers there and then it, f- it blows the engine it goes off into the water yeah and you just see that bond column just, <sighs> just go walking <laughs> off almost like same crap different day you know <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> not this again it's like danny glover is a mon calamar it's like i'm getting too old for this <laughs> Which, again, it could have been Danny Glover under the makeup, too. We don't know. It can be, I mean, we've seen John Leguizamo, uh, Leguizamo completely unrecognizable. Yep. Why not? Yep. It would be, you know, I mean, Simon Pegg was, uh, what's his face in in episode seven? The um, the guy that, you know, f- four portions or, you know, three oh, quarter yeah. portions. One quarter portion. Yeah, why not? Like, I would, I would, I would, uh, dude, I would have loved the fact that, like, one of the squid guys was, you know, like, somebody, like, what? Um, But, oh, that whole sequence was great. And then, of course, like, they're just hovering there and that, ah, and and it kind of calls back to, like, Tony Stark when he lands in the Iron Man armor for that first time. Yep. Yeah, and he's hovering there. All right, cut engines. Yeah, and he falls all the way through, and then gets hit with a fire extinguisher. I mean, it's just moments like that that it it relieves that tension and and allows for a little bit of humor mm-hmm. here and there, but not being overwhelming. You know, right? Um, right. And uh, it goes back to like what Irving Kirshner was talking about when he was directing uh, Empire Strikes Back. He's like, I got to have humor, but I can't have jokes. Right. And it is such a subtle art to throw in like little bits of humor to to get, break the tension to pace things, without having it like being ho ho ho, ho wah 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 sort of stuff right. like, just enough to give you a little chuckle and then move on. Yeah, you know. And the same thing like when the child is eating his chowder and the little squid thing is like <laughs> attaches to his face and you just have Mando look over and he's like don't play with your food and this like <laughs> subtly just knifes the thing and it falls off. Yeah, I'm like that's. That is like lovely. It's a lovely little moment, you know. Absolutely. Cause, and it conveys so many things, like this humor. There's like, oh, look at Baby Yoda. But then there's also kind of like this. He's ta- he's almost taking on like a fatherly sort of role. Yeah. Like it's getting more and more like that as it goes along, yeah. and it's it's wonderful. It's 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 a great way to add texture to a character who, again, you've only seen the dude's face once. Right. 
otherwise it's just this expressionless mask and it's a lot like when you're if you watch like V for Vengeance it's all Hugo Weaving's like voice performance yeah. and 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 then the actual like you know physical performance which you know who knows how much of that is actually Pedro Pascal or one of the like 18 stunt doubles that they use mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah so I mean oh dude just uh, I love whole, whole opening thing. I love how great. they do the uh, y- y- with the Mon Calamari that that's at the landing platform. I I love that his voice is something completely different from um, Akbar. Yeah, from Akbar. And al- although I don't know if you noticed when uh, when they went into that that restaurant area and and were ordering some food, they, there was kind of that old Akbar huskiness to the voice. Um, well, yeah, and which you was start getting fun. the idea of like even though Mon Calamari are all like a species they're not all there's variations like there there might be mon calamari from maybe a different planet or a different region on the planet right. or you know whatever it's it's kind of like oh wow like we've only seen really akbar and then you know i think his his son or something who was on right. one of the ships right. in the in the post quill but oh it's again just oh just showing off in some ways like just showing off like yeah you know what there's a different type of mon calamari deal with that it's, and we're it's, doing it because we can. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Oh. Frog Lady and, uh, you know, the, the, the love story of, of 2020, Frog Lady and Frog Man. Oh, it was beautiful. Oh, I was, I was kind of hoping they were going to go for a slow-mo on that, but I'm kind of glad they didn't, you know. It was touching. Oh. It was touching. It was very touching. About as touching as you can get with two frog people getting together, you know. So I got to ask you, is, is this a uh, Whitney Houston and I will always love you sort of situation, or is this a Robert Roode glorious situation? <sighs> well, I think it's much more Whitney Houston. However, I'm going I th- glorious. I think it's actually more kind of, you know, it might almost be more get down tonight because... <laughs> I mean, hey, it's nice to see you all, honey, but we got to get these eggs fertilized. (laughs) We ain't getting any younger, and these eggs ain't getting any younger, and that little creature over there ate like five of them. (laughs) Come on. Let's get to it. (laughs) Oh, boy. Thank you, Uncle Todd. (laughs) I'm... Hey, you know, I'm all about the practical. Uh, yes, you are. Yes, Do you it. Are. So, yeah, my vote my vote is neither uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band get down tonight. Okay. That's, all right, that's man. My, there you have it. There you have that's it. my theme song for the reunion. I'm going glorious, but that's okay. Well, you do that with everything. I know, but it's just because it just sticks the song in your head even further. So I just love the fact I'm just, you know, just reintroducing that into your daily mental playback list. So Yeah, and that's why I'm buying bourbon by the case now. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. Granny's rheumatism medicine helping to get that song out of my head. Hey, is your bootlegging buddy helping you out at all? What's going on there? Oh, so he's back down in Kentucky right now. Of nice. course, he's not going to be back till after the new year. So, okay. Uh, but uh, funds are being sent. A shopping list is being sent. <laughs> are you Venmoing him the? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, because he's it, we're, neither one of us are on Venmo. So it's it's old school like check in the mail going oh, down. We're, to- we're doing this old school bootlegging, baby. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I just picture him going to the store and leaving the note, like, you know, send bill to Big Enos Bird. Uh, Bert. How do you spell Birdette? B U B U R R. I got to go. <laughs> 
Oh, I just uh, that whole sequence, dude, is oh uh, how how Smokey and the Bandit didn't win Best Picture. I don't know, <laughs> just for that scene. Can you drive a forklift? I can drive any forking thing around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, that's cinema, ladies oh, and gentlemen. That is acting. Oh well, actually, not really. I'm pretty sure that was Burton <laughs> and oh, Jerry on an average day. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyways, back to, so back to the Mandalorian. All right. Again, so, Star Wars and Smoking the Bandit just always kind of come together for us, don't they? Well, you know, you could make a make a you know there there is a a uh, a statement that could be made here. You know, you got the Mando and the child in in the uh, broken down Razor Crest making a run for it. So you got a little yeah. Smoking the Bandit there. It's oh like it's gosh. like Snowman and Fred. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Hold on to your ass, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, man. It's so much to love in this episode. And that's even before we... And then and the fact that, like, you have the... Uh, what is it? The Quarren, you said? The squid, yeah, so, squid dudes? So the, uh, yeah, so the... Yeah, so Mando um, basically gets a ride, uh, requisitions a ride on, 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 a, on a barge of some kind with uh, Quarren. Um, what, what I, you know, again, subtlety and, and, and the, just, just the, the geekiness of, of this episode playing out. I, I really enjoy how in episode one and now again in three, we're starting to see that his Beskar armor is, is really becoming kind of a nuisance for him mm-hmm. because he's trying to, you know, carry out this, this, this quest, if, if you want to call it that, that has been bestowed upon him by the armor Yep, and you know it seems like he gets into these situations, and people are seeing the Beskar, and they're like, "Oh, oh I, I want that." Yeah, you know what I mean. And 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 I love that they're introducing that as as kind of an antagonist sort of thing because the I mean the Beskar, as we'll find out later in the episode, comes in quite handy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that it's causing problems for him, I think, is is really you know, a very cool kind of aspect of, of storytelling because you have, um, you know, for, for, for anyone that's done like role-playing games and stuff like that, I mean, there are different facets to the characters you play where you can bring out certain things. Like if you have something that's really unique to the area that you're playing in, that's going to work against you in some ways because people are going to want that because they want to sell it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he keeps running into this problem that is Beskar is noticeable and people want it because it's valuable yeah which wasn't really played up that much in season one no no not i do at all. like how that's that's coming out now in season two because it really does it there's so many times when you have you know stories where oh the the hero has a, a secret something or a you know a, a weapon or or something that makes them special right and nobody's trying to really take it away from them they all just just agree with the fact that they have it. Right. And this actually turns it into like a desirable thing. It's like, hey, dude, this is a blessing and a curse. Yes. And it and yes. and it also makes you extraordinarily obvious in any given situation. And and you yeah, know? and he ends up basically having a target on his back constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Which which I think is a great you know, again, when when I you know, I talked about it in our last episode about what I always wanted to see out of like a Boba Fett show. And and again, this is one of those things is that there there are little details that end up coming into play that wouldn't normally be for other you know characters like a Luke Skywalker or a Han Solo. You know th- they're not going to get 
nabbed for something like that because they're not walking around with this like really valuable armor on them. Well, but also keep in mind, this was something that, why didn't anybody ever try to snatch Luke's lightsaber? No. I mean, uh, granted, I mean, I guess- you don't mess with the pe- Jedi. Well, I, and I, that's the only thing I can come with, but the fact is you don't mess with a Mandalorian either. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, they got a reputation, but st- people are still willing to take that risk because the Beskar is that, you know, that valuable. How come nobody ever tried to get, you know, Luke's lightsaber? I don't know. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, is one Jedi all by himself? Probably because like, they fear he's going to slap him with a force. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> if only they knew what about Luke what we know, that he's just some jabroni from Tatooine who apparently can't, you know, function without his force powers. <laughs> he likes his hot chocolate. Yes, and he lo- oh man, he loves his hot chocolate. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Call back to the Thrawn series, baby. Oh, oh man. That hurt. That, Anyways. That's what I'm looking forward to, man, is Bo-Katan seeing her live and in person. Man, I am really, I really hope the season finale for two is the revelation of Thrawn. I would love that. No, oh. I still, I still, I want more Moff Gideon. Like, Moff yeah. Gideon is perfectly capable of carrying the entire idea of, like, the big bad. Because, number one, Giancarlo <laughs> uh, Esposito, am I right? Yep is amazing in this like Mm -hmm. smarmy but also vicious yes like no question especially like when i was re-watching the last couple episodes of season one before season two debuted and that like the just the some of the chatter back and forth to the speeder uh troopers uh and back and forth like oh well he already took out one of his own guys for interrupting him you know uh, just a little throwaway but it's like oh this dude don't care yeah yeah. And and we'll see in this episode like okay, well, you know, I'm I'm all about the bigger mission. I'm okay with him being the big bad. I want Thrawn to wait until we get another movie. And then I want <clears throat> Thrawn to be the big bad guy for 3 movies and just watch him wreak havoc mm-hmm. on everything. Mm-hmm. Because nobody is no going to know what the hell to do with an imperial officer who's actually in co- who's actually competent. Yep. You know, that's what that's what I want to see on screen. I don't want to see him in The Mandalorian. I maybe alluded to as a way to then reference going into the movies and tie those together a little bit tighter. I don't want to see him in the show. As much as I'd love to see him, I want to see him big screen. That's right. just me. But yeah, then then to have like I and I love the hack the the way that the the way that the the squiddies there uh bushwhack I'm like, "Yeah, show you ever seen this sort of thing get you know, eat like yeah. Good lord. This is like this is the second oldest trick in the book, right along with, you know, hey, let's string a ro- rock between a uh, <laughs> rope between two rocks. Yeah. Like, yep. dude, you already fell for the oldest trick in the book. Here's the second oldest. Come on over here and watch this vicious thing eat by the gigantic hole that you'd be easily pushed into. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let's go do that. Come on over here, baby Yoda. Get real close. And then just <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And then, you know, of course then the other Mandos come in, and oh, we the get revelation. the revelation. Oh, my goodness. I've seen light. You know, again. And her and, name is Bo-Katan. I am just, you know, again, let's let's just get this out of the way. Number one, I'm I'm totally in the bag for anything that Katie Sackhoff does. I've watched, uh, oh, my gosh. I'm I'm totally blowing the, the show that she has on Netflix right now. Uh, I'm blowing the name of it. I can't remember what it is. Uh, Shoot, you've talked about it a few times, and I don't. Even I know, know what it is. and I'm just uh, another I'll look life. It up. Another life. That's ah, what it is. Okay. So she's shooting season two of that, and I mean, it has its moments, and I think it's overall 
it's 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 worth watching. There are other moments in it where I'm like, eh, it's a little weak. But then again, I'm also comparing it to Battlestar Galactica, so that's that's a peak that you're not going to reach again. Yeah, yeah. However, I mean, I just think she's been really good in in even the stuff that isn't all that great around her. I think she's been really good. So it's great to see her in this role, and you can tell that she is just like enjoying playing this character. And I kind of felt like f- when she first appeared on screen, it was almost like she was like kind of trying to hide the smile. Oh, totally. <laughs> you know, they did like they did like twelve takes of that. Like, Katie, you can't smile. I'm sorry. Do you know I'm, how happy I I'm am here, to be baby. Here? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how awesome this is? Oh my gosh. Just because number one, if you watch any of like your YouTube videos, like uh, number she her smile is like absolutely contagious because it just takes over. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but just that I, I love the character and I love how in the in the show, her character is not like, oh, no, I'm right behind you, Mando. You know, we're all with you. It's kind of like that. But at the same time, there is another sort of thing at play. Like it's and it goes in line with kind of the characters that she has said that she likes playing, like these characters who are not not necessarily morally ambiguous, but yeah. are, are, are not cut and dry. Right. You know, right. that have a lot of different layers to them and a lot of stuff going on that you can't really pin down right away. Well, and there, there's uh, a lot to her backstory that we probably mm-hmm. can't get into right now because of time. But yeah, maybe in a different episode with with one Jimmy Dice. Yes. Yes. But yeah, so the, the, the Mandos show up. And then I think this is actually one of the coolest parts of this was contextualizing the whole like. Mandalorians don't take their helmet off because now they've managed to actually yes. explain that in a really kind of cool way. Yes. Yep. You know, and the fact that like, oh, by the way, you're part of a religious cult. What? Right. Right. <laughs> I didn't know. No, because you're part of a cult. They don't really. That's not part of the orientation. Yeah. Th- by the way, things, everybody, things, we're part of a cult. Things kind of shift for him a little bit because up to this point we're you know, we along with him. Mm-hmm. have thought that this is kind of just like right this is the way yeah and there's no ambiguity in that and now she kind of introduced because he has kind of the same reaction as he did to the marshal when they take their helmet off of course because yeah. he's like, all right i'm taking all your armor yeah and she's like uh no you're not this has been my family three generations and you're part of a cult. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> so, and by the way, we just saved your butt from being bushwhacked. Yes, so yes. I don't think you're taking anything from us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So why don't you have a seat, Sparky, before you hurt yourself? Oh, and that's and that's the other kind of thing that I I am enjoying, and it's kind of awkward, like the, that the hero of your show, who up until now has been kind of this badass, you're also starting to see the fact that he in context might not be quite as badass or as legendary of a warrior as you might have thought because then you start seeing him against like three legit like in practice badass Mandalorians and they're on a whole other level than he is in terms of necessarily uh you know precision and and just the way they go about their business and you've just watched him get bushwhacked twice in the past two episodes with stuff that you're like Dude, I see this coming. Like he he's going to push you in that hole. He's going to push you. he pushed him in the hole. Did I, you see that? <laughs> I agree to a point because later in the episode we see him do something that they seem to be unwilling to do. Well, unable 
uh, unwilling and maybe unable. But yeah, no, I agree. I th- and I think that's a good point to show. Because even he, though he may not have maybe the fighting ability they have, mm-hmm. I think what ends up coming out in this episode with, with Bo-Katan and how she views him is he may be part of this offshoot, this this child of the watch group. Mm. But much like everyone else who has come across his path, they see that his his you know kind of the the bond of, of honor that he has and and yes and the courage that he shows mm-hmm. is above and beyond what most you know normal people probably even normal Mandalorians would even show. Um, and and I don't want to jump ahead too much because because we're, we're we're not quite there yet. But but there's there's a scene that happens toward the end of the episode where he throws himself whole hog into what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, partially could be because their armor can't take it, you know, and he, he, he uses, you know, he has this Beskar, so he's using it to his advantage. Well, he also has a fuller suit. Did you notice that? Like he has, he does, he has he does. more pieces of armor than they do. Yes. Yes. But the fact that he throws himself into this thing that he's, you know, not fully bought into mm-hmm. speaks volumes to to her afterwards you know, in terms of what, yeah. what, what he stands for. And so even though he's part of this offshoot of, of, you know, a cult sort of thing, you know, she comes to understand the kind of individual that he is and, espe- yeah. and you know, and especially in, in what he says, because he's, he's constant in his uh, message to her that, you know, I, I'd love to help you and I'd love to be a part of all this, but I, I have this other thing that I have to see through first. Yes. And, and he's constant in that. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate the way that so they get into they get in the cargo bay and she starts changing the deal. Like he thought they were just going to get some crates of weapons. And right. she's like, no, we're taking the whole ship, which, again, <laughs> let me tell you, if I got to have if I got to have someone read those lines. Damn, if if Katie Sackhoff isn't the person I want. So put on some tea and we'll be up shortly. I'm yes. like, oh, do it. Damn, you must have just smiled your ass off when you saw that line. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean into that. Oh, oh, George Lucas is gonna, is gonna feel it. He's gonna feel a disturbance in the force. Like, damn, somebody just goes a wise ass him. <laughs> a real wise ass in one of my sons. You know, but but in that scene, like, then he realizes he calls her out on it, and she's like, this is the way, almost like taunting him. Yeah, yeah. And then they go through that whole experience where he he. Like he is like putting himself out there to save them and to, well, to save them all, right? But potentially putting himself in in a life or death situation to take out the stormtroopers, and then at the end of that, then when then she says, "This is the way." It's with respect. Yes, yes, absolutely. There's a totally different tone. Well, not totally, but there's a subtle different tone there, and you can tell that she's like, "Okay, I'll I'll respect you." Yeah. Yeah, and there's kind of that little bit of taken aback from him, like you know, it's not just like this is the way, this is the way. It's like this is the way. Like he's he's kind of kind of like, a, okay, are you, are we good? Yeah, <laughs> are you gonna shoot me when I turn around? I'm a little, I don't know, I'm confused. Well, now. and 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 there is a viciousness to to her and and oh and her gosh, group because yeah. they they go through and you know there, there's a scene where they you know they shoot the stormtroopers dead and then they're walking by and they keep shooting them as they're walking. by. Because <laughs> they're just well, taking a couple shots to make sure, you know. Well, when they get when they so number one, so when they when they attack the the uh, oh my gosh, what I can't remember the name of the the freighter or whatever, but it's it, it's it is it's a been Gozanti seen. class cruiser, my friend. Okay, so they've they that's been shown in like Rebels especially, and it's I mean, 
and I think it was in Clone Wars as well. So that's kind of well known. But so it's on the outside. There's these little like balconies. And when I saw that again tonight, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Flash Gordon. Mm. It's Flash Gordon when they're going on to the ship and they had like the little railings of the balconies outside. I'm like, oh my God. Now we're not even, it's, you know what? Damn you, Favreau. It wasn't just enough that you had to go into Star Wars. Now you're like, you know what? I'm just going to show off. (laughs) Here's some Flash Gordon for you. Deal with that. Nice. Like, you glorious mother you. Like, oh. So so then they they take out the stormtroopers out there. They get their way inside. And Bo-Katan just takes out the knife and just starts knifing mofos left and right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's not a knife. That's a knife. Dang, I ain't never seen no one, anyone take out a stormtrooper with just a knife. Like, and, and like, oh, oh, this is personal. Mm. <laughs> and that's and that's the the expression that Mando seems to have the entire time because he's kind of looking behind them as they're like after they've taken these people out, and the and the three of the the you know the three uh, Mandalorians with or the two that are with uh, with Bo are are just like straight ahead, like not looking to the side, and he's kind of constantly like. Damn, we just okay. So we're just all right. We're killing them, and then we're killing them again. Like okay, yeah. all right. I see. Yeah. I see where this is going. Yeah. Oh man, and it's again. It's one of those things where you start understanding. Like he's not quite the badass that he appears to be because he hasn't quite dealt with some of the things that these other characters have dealt with. Yeah, and, but and, his the, the honor and the courage that you were talking about is what really kind of pushes him into that area. Like I don't, I haven't done the same things you've done, but right. I'm willing to do, you know. Well, and 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 Bo-Katan is dealing with different baggage than he is. Oh, you know, totally. I mean, she, yeah. She she is clear. You know, by the end of the episode, you understand that she is on a mission to reestablish, you know, a presence on on the Mandalorian homeworld and and to basically seat someone as the Mandalore. You know, kind of a leader of oh, no. the world. It's to seat her. It, I mean, was it to see her no... or was it to see oh, someone yeah. else? Okay. She wants the dark saber because she says, I need the dark saber to rule. So she wants it's very clear. Okay, so she's, she's looking, looking to, see to rule. Herself. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, she's being governed by a different set of principles, whereas with him, you know, he's always been kind of of the bounty hunter and and you know, Mandalorian honor code where yeah. you know, he's he's looking out for the covert he belonged to. He's looking out for you know, he he feels like like a, a I don't mean to say coupling, but but he feels like a, a dependency on it. You know, and and so mm-hmm. he's bound. You know, in the same way that he served the frog lady, right? You know that that mm-hmm. he, he has a you know a, a a duty that he has to carry out. Um, she's operating on a totally different level. Like she she and her cohorts, which we'll get into in a moment, are are on a mission, and and the mission requires. You know, it's interesting, you know, a comment that, that, that she says in the episode around how, you know, Mandalorians are stronger when they're together, mm, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, hinting at the fact that these coverts that he's trying to uncover, you know, so that he can, you know, find his way to delivering the child to his own kind is great that they exist, but there there's something larger afoot that he needs to maybe wrap his mind around a little bit. And, and that's yes. to bring them all together as a unit to fight against whether it's the empire or, or some other, you know, force that is, you know, trying to divide them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I just found that, that point kind of interesting that they're, they're both operating in different ways. You know, she's trying to 
run kind of a mercenary crew to to build up an army to battle what she's shooting for, you know, for for her own, you know, for her own kind that, you know, she's been quite involved with, you know, throughout her life. And then you have him who's been on his own, who's known only one way. Yeah. And he's living to that. And so you kind of have, yeah, this this meeting of these two worlds in this episode. And, you know, like you said, there, there's a mutual respect there. I mean, the, the way she puts forth this is the way when they're sitting at, at, at that, you know, restaurant, you know, or, or tavern mm. versus when she says it on the ship are, are two very different tones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I and so, again, more of the humor the the entire assault on the ship is great because number one it's it's it, it ends up almost being a very sort of claustrophobic environment right you know because right. they're they're on this ship and now everyone's trapped and everyone's in the ship and you kind of and I love how you kind of get the idea like okay if they climb then those jetpacks don't mean a whole lot because you you know they're only going to be atmospheric so they're just trying to get out of the atmosphere and then the then the Mandalorians are trapped of course then is one of those issues where it's like are you trapping them or are they trapping you. Mm-hmm. Which is the great part when, you know, they're trying to trap them down in the cargo bay and you have that, like, the, the dude who's in charge with all the stormtroopers and he's like, we need to hold them off until they, we get to hyperspace. And he's standing right in the middle. And I turn to my daughter. I'm like, that is the dumbest Imperial officer ever. Like, Here, let me stand right in the middle of the cargo bay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, maybe he has a plan. I'm like, I don't know how good of a plan that is. <laughs> and so then they lock the doors. And I love that moment where he's like, we've trapped them. Where'd you trap them? In cargo command. And you have the the command the captain of the ship there. It's just like, oh, okay. Wait a minute. You <laughs> that boob. Like, you did what? <laughs> Don't you know who you're dealing with? You dealt with someone who is who who is like on close personal terms with Madam Airlock. I was just gonna say, and, and and then you hear the echo coming from some from some corner of the room. I'm coming for all of you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) And then just all out the side like, hey, you know what you can do from Cargo Command? You can open the door, dummies. Oh, my gosh. I... You know, probably not really done with the the nod or intention to BSG or anything like that. But you have to admit a certain irony to Katie Sackoff showing up in this episode and someone getting airlocked. So no, dude, you know that. You know what? It, I'm counting it all as like calculated at this point. Like they've done too much right now to not just say, yeah, they totally meant to do that. Oh, that was that was fantastic. That was and maybe fantastic. maybe I'm just describing way too much to Favreau and Filoni, but I just. I just I I think it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was mm-hmm. fantastic. Yes. Oh my gosh. And, and then, then the, how uh, cool was oh. it that the captain of the Imperial ship was Titus Welliver of uh Lost and Sons of Anarchy. He he's he's played a he's made a kind of a living playing the bad guy. I've you know what? I was not familiar with him. I don't I then again, I didn't I, I didn't watch Lost or Sons of Anarchy. Okay. So so in Lost, he played the corporeal or cor- corporeal version. There, there there was a smoke monster on the island and he was basically the human kind of incarnation of it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And then on Sons of Anarchy, he was on for I think it was the third season, he was playing a member of the IRA. They they, they got mixed up with the Irish mob, so to speak. Um, huh. And he played a uh, a bad guy there until he was taken down by Chibs. So um, so he he's always kind of had that you know 
bad, you know, bad guy jerk sort of, you know, role mm-hmm. he, he seems to excel at. So it was funny to see him as as kind of a, as an imperial captain. <laughs> and I, and if, I it, the, if only for an episode. Yeah, and I love the the way that that you know they describe the Mandalorians coming in. They're like, there has to be ten or twelve of them. They're like, we're only showing four life forms. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that sort of happens when you have Mandalorians. It's gonna be that kind of day, folks. Yeah, and then of course you know the whole deal with like Moff Gideon showing up, you know, via hologram, live live via satellite. Finally, and, and oh, if they've already taken that much of the ship, you're screwed. You know what to do. Nose it down. Like oh wow, okay, so this is where we're heading, yeah. and that's where you need. That's actually where you need Ultimate Warrior to come in. Mm-hmm. You know, go into the cockpit. Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Take the controls. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and push him in. And then just roid rage just spilling out of every pore. And mean Gene just with that look on his face like, I. Uh, Somebody get me a drink. <laughs> I can't be sober and do this, Vince. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. My gosh. I can't. My gosh. But yeah, oh my gosh, and and again, that's just a great way to amp, you know, up the ante. Like, okay, mm-hmm. now we have a new set of problems, mm-hmm. and oh, and then of course, you know, then to spill the whole thing of you know, and then in a very quick moment of, of like exposition, Katie Sackoff, Bo-Katan, like you know, I need the dark saber to do that. And oh, and by the way, I've got I've got the electronic cyanide capsule in my tooth. Yes. Yes. All right. I mean, but but the nice thing is, well, I mean, ain't nothing nice for Titus because you know he he did. But you know the the thing about that is it really starts getting into like, oh, this is kind of a different empire we're talking about mm-hmm. now. This is a little bit more. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, the empire was always vicious. You can't you can't take over a galaxy and slaughter billions of people without you know breaking a few eggs. Yeah. Do it. But, I mean, this seems like a little more, like, hardcore mm-hmm. than what we're used to seeing. I mean, maybe it's because we're seeing it up close, but the dude, like, just, you know, electrocutes his brain and right there. Right. Like, and that's it. Yep. It's It, it kind of, again, adding more and more texture. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because there, there's a bigger, you know, there, there there's a bigger plan going on. And mm. we're, we're not fully aware of what that is. And... You know, Moff Gideon is is you know he's playing the long game, yeah. And so, you know, what is going on? Where because again, this is a ship, uh, you know, a ship of weapons, and you have a captain who ends up taking his own life to, or, or was about to crash it to begin with, mm-hmm. and then is taking his own life, you know, for the purposes of not exposing Gideon, you know, to 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 Bo-Katan finding him. So, you know, he's. There, there's, you know, this episode brings back the, 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 you know, the, the whole conflict between the Mandalorians and the empire Mm. and how it's going to start playing out now. And, and, and I thought it was a nice, you know, just kind of first step in that direction. It, it just, it just whet your appetite. It gave you a sense of what the main players are, are, are about and what they're shooting for. Mm -hmm. And, and then it just kind of, Took the foot off the gas a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and at the same time, you get, for all of the 10 seconds of screen time he has, Moff Gideon becomes much more of a badass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he's like, all right, just take down the ship. 
and a very cold calculation of, okay, well, if you got six stormtroopers and, and only the bridge is still there and they've taken the rest of the ship, you're too far gone. You're toast. You know what to do. And then the fact that this dude's like, hey, I'm willing to just, you know, like Duracell my own brain because I know Moff Gideon, not only is he going to kill me, he's going to kill me in a much more painful way than this. Yeah. So this is actually the better way out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now this is a bad guy you can kind of sink your teeth in. Like, this is this is a bad guy. Right, right. And so now we've got, how many irons we got in the fire? So we got the dark saber. Mm-hmm. You've got Moff Gideon and whatever his endgame is, you've got the child. Mm-hmm. You've got the whole, like, the, the whole Mandalorian thing going on, like the, the conflict between, well, not necessarily conflict, but the different, you know, the different branches of what we've come now think of as Mandalorians. There's a lot of stuff going on now. Yeah. And that's that's leaving out the overall arc, overarching story of like, hey, I got to get baby Yoda to his people or to somebody who turns out to be Ahsoka Tano. Damn, if we didn't just pay off a whole bunch of crap in this episode. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like, okay, so now we're three in. We've got five left. Yeah. Holy crap, what's coming next? Yeah, yeah. This, this this one episode, and this episode was only about, I think, 35 minutes? Yeah, it was, I mean, it packed a punch. Episode it was, one it was, was 55. Flu. I think episode two was maybe 40, and this one was less, and yet this one carried so much content in it. It was incredible. Bryce Dallas Howard, ladies and gentlemen. You diabolical genius, you. And and the thing was, I'm I am so looking for I and I don't want to rush this. Okay, I'm not trying to do the whole like, you know, my my daughter who is 13 always plays a card of I can't wait till I get older and I can do this. Like you know, kid, just slow it down. Trust me, you mm-hmm. want to slow it down. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to rush through the end of this, but I am really looking forward to season two of Star of like uh, the gallery show that they did with Mandalorian oh, yeah. and seeing all the interviews. Because man, I. I never really thought of Bryce ha- Bryce Dallas Howard that much as a director, and it's probably just because I never really followed her as a director. Or, I mean, you know, I I saw a bunch of stuff that she was in, but damn, she is extraordinarily good at this. Mm-hmm. I mean, because uh, wasn't her episode in season one, if I'm not f- remembering incorrectly, was uh, when we got the introduction of Laura Dune. Uh, it was Ka- the Cara Dune, yes. Cara Dune. I'm sorry. What was I saying? I was going like Lorna Dune, like the cookie for crying out loud. I, I was going. I was trying to make sure I didn't say Gina Carano, and yeah. somehow I managed. I managed to mess up the character's first name. Anyways, free range idiocy, ladies and gentlemen. It's right there in the title. So that and that episode to me was all, was such a great, you know, especially after having gone back and watched uh, Seven Samurai on on HBO Max. Which, oh my gosh, if you haven't seen that fantastic mm-hmm. and that's basically that episode is like hey let's train the villagers to to take to take out the people who are trying to threaten them sort of thing yeah such a great episode and added so much depth to the characters and all of this and uh and and in this episode doing exactly the same just little moments like in just little tiny moments adding depth to every single thing and oh come on yeah no it was, it was, just, it was fantastic it's not even fair at this point. And then we don't even get to the final part, which is actually one of my favorite moments in the entire freaking episode. Showing up, actually, no, this too. So I'll, I'll actually go way back. The Mon Calamari currency that he takes uh, from uh, Grief Karga in, in like episode one or two yeah. Uh, yeah. of season one finally come back into play mm-hmm. when he's going to pay for the information in, in the uh, in the inn. Which I was like, hey, I remember those. Yeah. 
Yeah. Those are the squiddy looking weird jelly pox thing. Like those didn't melt. Oh, cool. <laughs> so do you have to put those in a special wallet? Because they really do. They look like they're gonna melt or smush. So, but those paid off. But then the the the, the whole like going back to the razor crest. <laughs> Yes. It's like it's it's literally held together with like twine <laughs> cardboard. I'm pretty sure I saw a pallet in there, yep. like an old wooden pallet. And he's like, "This is the best you could do." And the dude just gives him the thing, like, "Sign here." Yep. <laughs> just call him. <laughs> just call him Fisherman Mando. Oh, oh my gosh! And then he goes in there, and it looks like it looks like some weird version of Star Wars and Yokin's restaurant in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Yes, I that. thought of that too. I'm like, oh my gosh! I think I saw this at a restaurant out east. I was I was like, man, can we get? Is there like the little treasure chest where you get the keys after you eat to see if you won the gift card that's inside there yes. or something? Oh my gosh! Yeah, on the whole thing, and then of course when he goes, when they when they zap off the hyperspace, that one piece that fell off just spinning in space. It was kind of like a little Back to the Future sort of deal, you know, like when yes. when, when the car would would jump time and then the license plate the license would be left plate. behind. It was like oh, that. Oh man! <laughs> it was like right up to the last moment, like you jerks. Oh, oh it's so good! Fantastic! Fantastic! Oh my gosh! I I. So, just to answer the question before you even ask it, no, there is nothing I hate about this episode. There's nothing I dislike. There is nothing I would change. Yep. Nothing I would. I, no, I, this, I, this, this was uh, this was just a chef's kiss uh, of an episode. A uh, C- couple minor things that that we didn't really touch on that that I thought were kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, going to the whole like, you know, again, just being consistent about his character about the Mandalorian character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just the, uh, the way Frogman kind of, it's hard to explain, you know, he's wearing a helmet and Frogman is Frogman, but there's still, the, you, you, <laughs> you get the sense of respect between the two of them because of what he did. You know what I mean? That's the, that's actually the new, that's actually the spinoff that they're talking about. Frogman is Frogman. That's actually. <laughs> Frogman is Frogman. Um, and you know what? Damn it. It's going to be wonderful because Favreau will produce it and it'll be amazing. And we'll all go, how did we not think of this how before? How did we not think a spinoff with Frogman from Star Wars would, would, would hit it big? Um and then, and then, kind of related to it was the, the whole sequence. And don't, and don't forget our buddy cop, you know, spinoff that we're already going to have with the two X-wing pilots from the previous episode. Oh yes, yes. So this is the spinoff. It's like a spinoff of the spinoff. Cliff Clavin and and the other guy. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, I so want that. I didn't know I ever wanted it, and now I, I really do. I just want to watch those two guys. There doesn't even have to be any action. I just want the like the communications <laughs> as they're flying in an X-wing. It's gonna be, be like so cheap to produce. I'll write it. It's gonna be like chips in space, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and actually, you know, the perfect person to write that would be Kevin Smith because it's all oh. just like dialogue, <laughs> like this. There's not really a lot of action. It's just all dialogue. I oh would oh, I'd watch the living crap out of that. <laughs> and the thing is, like, you could even film that oh now because you'd really, you just put like one dude in the volume and then you have the other dude and it's like, you could do that totally piecemeal. Oh, I'd watch that. Are you kidding me? Monitoring I, the hyperspace lanes of the galaxy. Yes. Do it. Oh and you have the angry captain who like calls in, you know, and all, oh, it's, come on. And you know, you know th- that's itself. that's an opportunity where you could actually pull Eric Estrada back in uh, cuz mm. he'd just be sitting in the cockpit. <laughs> he wouldn't have to be doing anything else. 
Actually, you know what? You know, you make him the captain. He's he only appears in voice only. Okay. You never see him. All right. And and you make it like Estrada. You like you like do a play on the name. Well, everyone, book it. If you end up seeing a Star Wars version of Chips uh, based on those two guys, you know where the idea came from. I'm oh I'm all about that. So the 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 other part related to the Frogman and Lady thing was uh, the the short sequence when before he goes off gallivanting uh, on the Imperial cruiser. Uh, he he's got to drop the kid off somewhere because <laughs> oh, yeah. the kid ain't coming on this one, and uh, and and so I thought it was just kind of a cool moment where he just kind of shows up and he's like, uh, well, and and here's something I find funny. So last episode, the frog lady has to use a droid to 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 basically interpret for her. Now yes. all of a sudden, Mando and her can can talk. <laughs> Like there's like there's an understanding well, of English and and froggies, I think, but I don't think she real. I don't think he really understands her. She understands him. Okay, okay. I, I think there's a, there's a, you know, it's everything like seems it, copacetic between the two of them. They seem to understand one another. So he well, shows up with I, the kid. She's like, "Yep, yeah, I'll watch him." Well, dude, I mean, c- keep in mind we're dealing with a universe that's based on space magic. So I you got to go with it. I but that is great, and then but another one of those cool little moments is like because we've seen Baby Yoda through the uh, the 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 frog egg aquarium before. Excuse me. Uh, so we've seen. Uh, seltzer man, strikes again. I haven't even started on the seltzer. I was trying to avoid that. Those are just normal burps. Anyways, so we've seen him look through the the you know the the egg aquarium but now we see him look through there and and the thing hatches and you see like just the joy on the and you know it's a puppet. You know it. Yeah. I mean, even when he moves, he looks like a puppet, and I love how they do that. Mm-hmm. Like, they are not trying to hide the fact that, yep, it looks like a puppet, and it is a puppet. I love the fact that they're doing that, and everything else is, like, all, like, shiny and CGI and volume and all that, but yet, like, Baby Yoda is a puppet. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. No problem with it. And But just that expression on his face, again, it's just a, a tiny little three-second thing that just gives you a little extra thing with Baby Yoda yeah. that I'm like, oh, uh, oh, just lovely. Yep. Just lovely. Yep. And and I love the fact that he's like, you know, and you mind your manners or behave yourself, you know what I mean. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> well, 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 you know, going back and to I'm your- I'm still wondering, like, does, does, does she know that he ate, like, half a dozen of her eggs? Right. Right. I mean, you never you don't know. I mean, like that goes back to your point about, you know, what Erin Kirshner said about, you know, I mean, there, there's the humor without it being like a full on joke. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like he's being serious. Like, you know what I'm talking about, boy. And- yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like very low key. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, my gosh. Like that that same way that your your mom used to give you the eye like, you know. I don't have to tell you, but you know, yes. like, oh, okay, yes. yeah, I know, I know. Oh boy, I better, I better either do this right or find a real good hiding place. Yes, <laughs> yep. you know that sort of thing. Yep. Oh, those, oh, that was great. Uh, what one last little bit of trivia we haven't touched on yet? Um, one of the three Mandalorians, or, or one mm. of the two Mandalorians that accompany Bo-Katan, was played by uh, WWE superstar and current SmackDown Women's Champion Sasha Banks. Yes, As Costa which again Reeves. is bringing all of my geekdom together because it brings in, you know, it brings in the wrestling. Yep. Oh, I mean, come on. Yep. And I don't know much about uh, about Miss Banks and and her career. I don't. I, has she been in any of the pay per view pay per views? I think her watched? finish is called the Bank Statement. <laughs> 
right on. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like something out of a Simpsons episode. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's no more or less ridiculous than uh, any other. The move. banker I mean, puts him into the bank statement, and he's going to, you know, audit which, him shortly. <laughs> which, 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 uh, which, uh, which wrestler was it that it, her finishing move is basically? She she throws the opponent into the ropes and then she comes off the ropes and basically hits them in the face with her butt. Oh gosh, who was that? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. It is like I was like, you know what? I thought the raw, I thought the people's elbow was the dumbest finisher ever. Yeah. yeah. Mm, no. I can no. tell you it's not Sasha Banks though. Yeah. The Luthez press is a better yes. you know, yes. it's a better move yes. than this, which could be just basically called Oh, the crotch to the face. Oh. And followed by punches. And, you know, how that doesn't wound both participants, I don't know. I really don't. But, you know, it's wrestling. Same as this is space magic. Mm-hmm. But yes, that was cool as well. And then who is the who is the dude? because uh, I feel like uh, that I should know the him. Dude, from I'm something. not sure. Uh, who he is as far as an actor goes. Um, okay, so he's just a dude. He's just a, well, yeah, his, his name, his character name, I think is, I had it written down, shoot. Axe Woves. Axe Woves, but I don't know who Which he was played by. is a badass name, no matter how you slice it. It is. It is. I mean, it's not quite Max Strong. No, it's but not. But it's, no, it's, it's in the discussion. It is. <laughs> I'll put it. I'll put it in the discussion. Oh, this episode, dude. I. Oh man, just There's fantastic. So much to love, and like you said, it's it's so packed tight, and it's such a great. I mean, yeah, you don't need an hour to tell this story. No, no, you, you know, and it really and 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 they did such a great job of doing everything economically, and a, a very action packed episode. Like I, I mean, I felt the second uh, what chapter ten was very compared to chapter nine was very action-packed this is ratcheting it up a notch from chapter 10 Mm -hmm. and just there is a whole lot going on in this and a lot of great action sequences and and everything just looked freaking fantastic like even them planning the job where they're all just kind of like hanging out on top of the razor crest you have like sasha banks just like lounging on the razor i'm like oh come on you're just showing off now yeah yeah. (laughs) seriously Oh, One of the little, be, uh, little bit of trivia, just uh, some of the history or Star Wars history I was referencing. Um, there, there is quite the beef between the Mandalorians and the Empire. There, there was the Great Purge, mm. uh, and that is really how the Empire um, found its way into all the Beskar. Some of which uh, was given uh, and became the part of the armor the Mandalorian now has uh, from mm-hmm. season one by uh, uh, basically a mass uh, killing of the Mandalorian people, uh, forcing the tribe to operate in secrecy. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, as the season progresses, seeing um, how much they, they continue into that story and, and telling that backstory. Which kind of makes me wonder, like, as we've seen the Empire, as constituted in what is Star Wars canon, is there any way anyway with the people that we've seen on screen so far that they could take out a planet full of mandalorians uh you're talking about like a death star kind of weapon no because that was the first death star and that had to have happened before that right uh the great purge happened before that yeah it it happened uh let's see okay so any of the imperial officers that you saw just go, and because we only we only got what we see. Let's just say it's episodes four, five, and six. 
Or maybe you can even go back to like, you know, episode three or whatever and, and extrapolate some of the people there. Anyone in that group of chuckleheads that you could imagine actually being able to plan an assault and do anything that would actually take out a planet? I mean, even Darth Vader at the head. Yeah. Can you imagine like any of those chuckleheads being able to handle that? Like they couldn't even keep a bunch of X-Wings off of the Death Star. Yep. Stay on target. Can you imagine them taking on a planet, man, planet full of Mandalorians? Loosen up! That would that would have been the end of the Empire. Like, right. there's got to be a real good explanation for this. <laughs> like, like maybe that's how Thrawn, you know, gets referenced in this. Like, ooh, Thrawn is the one who was the behind the Great Purge or something. Like that, I'd buy. Yeah. yeah. If you tell me it was like, you know, whoever. Uh, oh my gosh, who is the guy who was the administrator of the Death Star? He was in Rogue One. Oh, by, by... um, Tarkin. Yes. You tell me it was Tarkin. Eh, I'm not buying it. Like, yeah, he was a jerk, but he was a weaselly jerk. Like, he was not a great planner. Like, I right. I don't, that's the that's the one thing that, again, but I don't put it past Favreau to be able to do it because he's done everything else so damn well. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the trouble I have with it. Like, how did they, how is anybody taking out a planet full of warriors like this? Because mm-hmm. it seems like they would just eat the Empire for lunch. Yeah, I, 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 th- you know, again, without having the background of Clone Wars and Rebels, it, it's hard for me to know, you know, to, to speak to that. It does sound like it's something that happened in the early, you know, kind of phase of the Empire. Mm. Um, so probably before the Empire really established itself as, you know, kind of this, you know, oppressive regime. Uh, mm. And so it's possible that, you know, because there, there's a whole backstory to, to, to Mandalore and, you know, I, I think Bo Katan's sister, I think it was her sister, took you know was was the leader, uh, and then there was a rebellion, and I think Darth Maul was kind of at the lead of that, and then there was, and then I think the Great Purge happened. So it's it's the the history behind it's fuzzy. I think we need to have our resident expert uh, walk us through it a little bit. Do it, um, yes. But but the, but the reason for bringing it up is just that I there, there's there's a deep history there between the Mandalorians and the Empire. And there is, you know, I think some friction between the Mandalorians or, or, or maybe not friction because I guess Ahsoka Tano and Bo-Katan know of one another and, and they, they kind of work together. I Thinking back to Clone Wars, I think Obi-Wan Kenobi was, was working with them as well. So, so there is some history there with the Jedi, probably not adversarial, mm. more collaborative. But Well, I thought I remembered them saying that they fought against the Jedi. Yeah, that that's why I was a little I, I was a little fuzzy on it. So so we're getting into kind of some some areas here that I'm I'm just not as up to speed on and need to be. Yeah, but, uh, the only the thing that I'm a little bit bummed at because I'm, I'm I'm now I'm all excited to see Ahsoka Tano. I I just oh uh, I need me some more I need me some more Bo-Katan. I I need a whole bunch of Ahsoka Tano. I I need a whole bunch of Rosario Dawson. I need a whole bunch of Katie Sackoff. And then, damn it, we got to get some Grief Karga in here. Oh. I need my Carl Weathers fix, too. But it becomes a sort of like... hate you. It's this embarrassment of riches because they've managed to create some really good characters. And I've I've completely forgotten, like, hey, it's been three episodes and we ain't seen nothing of Cara Dune. We ain't seen nothing of... You know, I, I, I kind of noticed Grief Karga, but at the same time, like, not that much. Mm. Like, the... Those two are just kind of all right. Well, hey, you know, and they killed off, you know, IG Eleven and uh, Nick Nolte. <laughs> oh, um, gosh, I don't remember what his character's name is now. I almost said Queeg, but I know that's not Quill, it. Quill, Quill, Quill. Yeah. So I mean, but we haven't seen those two in a while, and yeah, 
I, there's just so many great characters. Like I just want them all. I want them all all the time. Yeah. But I know that's not. It's almost like I I want ice cream all the time. But I know it's not good for me. I need to work some broccoli in there. I need to work salad in occasionally. Yeah. So well, I'm glad that Favreau's there to help you know pace me out a little bit. And it I feels guess. like they're 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 going with with that kind of tried and true storytelling you know device where I think every season they're 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 pulling back a little bit you know the the you know the microscope you know like your season one was was very specific to to the Mandalorian and the child. Now season two we're starting to get a, a, a wider view of of his world and and how that world intersects with a few other worlds and you know my my hope is as time goes on we we start to see a bigger and bigger world you know kind kind of world in terms of story uh yeah. you know exposed to us as as we we you know just continue to follow the the journey these characters are on so so it's exciting yeah. it's uh, I, I mean it was just a fantastic episode it 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 provided you know after episodes 1 and 2 really didn't push a lot forward in the overall like the big you know story arc this episode did uh yeah and, and it did it in spades i mean it was it was just incredible i mean the 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 appearance of bo-katan the mention of ahsoka tano the dark saber tie-in with moff gideon the dark I mean, saber yeah, this, tie-in, oh. the fact that he's potentially now not part of what is considered the norm for mandalorians but more of kind of an offshoot you know, mm-hmm. just just so much good stuff, and and it's only just going to get better as as we get into four and five. So I am, I am bullish uh, as always on this show. And we and and again, we got five seconds of Boba Fett at the end of episode one. Mm-hmm. And no mention since. I still think he's in the background there. Sla- Slave one's just just puttering behind him as he's making his way. Well, <laughs> but keep in mind, like, have you really? I mean. You think about it because, I mean, like me, you you think about this stuff way too much, anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but did you miss him in these two? Were you like, oh my gosh, that episode was great? But yeah, I haven't. I've been like, oh wow, that was a great episode. That was a great episode. Like I just, it's so great that you can have. It's he's almost like Jaws at this point. Like he's just out there. I he's be, just out there because he's I think bite it's on a, somebody's ass pretty soon. Because but, I know. think it's enough that they that they addressed it the way they did. I mean that there was mm. always a question, and was it you know it was never made part of canon whether he was truly you know was he killed or what or did he survive? Yeah, and just in that one scene to see him there was such a a, a payoff to to you know it was such a I don't want to call it fan service because it wasn't fan service for the sake of fan service it, it was doing the the character a solid and saying here is the statement Boba Fett is alive yeah well it is fan service but it's it's good fan it's, service it's, it's, it's fan service it's with a logical reason yes yes yeah. it's 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 not the bad kind of fan service now here's here's where I'm going to do you a solid oh. because I I know you love you some Boba Fett. I do. I mean, well, well, who doesn't really? I mean, come on. I mean, he's a bounty hunter and all that, but damn, he looks cool. So here's what I'm going to do. My theory is that we are not going to see Boba Fett until the season finale. And then he's going to tie into that episode in some either either uh, there's two ways that this could go. He's going to tie into that episode in a big, bad way where he's going to have a huge impact or it's going to be right at the end. And then it teases you going into season three. Mm. I know that's like, uh, you know, cake and trying to eat it, too. But you know what? Again, as I said before, what's the point of cake if you can't eat it? So 
All right. But I, now the, the reason why I'm doing you a solid on this is, as we know, every time I say something and I make a prediction, I am so ass backwards wrong. We're going to see, if I say that's my prediction, we're going to see Boba Fett in the next episode. So you're welcome when this publishes and then that night we see Boba Fett show up and the entire episode is all about Boba mm-hmm. Fett. So, mm-hmm. so you're welcome. Thank you. Just in advance. Now, I, I'm going to do a... a like, like we don't really have a, a buy or sell sort of thing planned for this episode because we no because we bought everything. We didn't. <laughs> a we bought I, everything. I cashed in the college account for this episode. We didn't want to drain that 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 gimmick of, of all of its val- value. But but I I, I want to do a, an impromptu buy or sell with you right now because because oh. ha- ha- having you ha- having heard you say that I, I thought has occurred to me. Oh, I'm in. Buy Come or sell now. this. Ding. Ding. Season finale. Season two finale. Mm-hmm. Ends on a cliffhanger where Boba Fett gets possession of the child, and we find out Moff Gideon hired him all along. Buy or sell. Oh, let me buy that. <laughs> let me buy all that. <laughs> let me buy all that. Oh, I I didn't know how much I wanted that till right now. Oh, how you, amazing! You glorious bastard! How you. amazing oh. would that be? Oh, you son of a bitch! You ought to be writing this. <laughs> I feel, I feel like so. Here's the thing: like if you've ever if you ever watched Fat Man Beyond, like that's the thing that Kevin and Kevin Smith. Number one, it's great because he's like high as hell through most of the episodes, and so Mark Bernard. Who is who is his co-host, and he's been an, uh, a, a, a journalist, but now he's also he's been doing a lot of screenwriting work. He'll come up with his own thing, and Kevin's was like, "Ah, oh, I want to watch your movie." Like he'll rewrite. He's like, or he'll be like, "Stop writing better movies than what we just saw," mm-hmm. you know, because he's mad because he didn't see Mark's version. You just did that to me. That's what you just like. Oh, I w- I want that. I want that so bad. Oh, that's that. Oh, okay. That's and so then a thought beautiful. that just occurred to me as you were talking. Mm-hmm. To to to, and I don't think they would do. Okay, so so. Oh, so we're gonna we're gonna hand off the Boba Fett spinoff let's, let's, to Mark Bernard and just let him do let's it. Let's do yes, a separate buy or sell for 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 this one, because mm-hmm. I, I I might sell this one because there there's that whole thing about leaving them with hope. You know what I mean? And and I just don't see the Mandalorian going down this route. Well, it's 2020, so that's but, perfectly understandable. But in addition to what I just said, uh-huh. takes the child. He takes Mando's armor. Buy or sell. Oh. The only reason I might buy that slightly. The only reason I might buy that slightly is what a way to bookend the season where he gets Fett's armor at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And who gets whose armor at the end of the season? Now wait, are you saying that Boba Fett gets Mando's armor? Yes. I'm buying. Whatever situation takes place where he can get his hands on the child, and we end up finding out he was hired to do so by Moff Gideon, mm-hmm. he also requisitions his armor. And so we leave the season with Mando completely stripped of everything that makes him who he is. Yes, because number one, you know that's what that's Moff Gideon's style. Mm-hmm. Like he, you know, he's the kind of guy who, if he, if he can. He's gonna pay you the money and then get that money back. Mm-hmm. He's he's very much Terry Benedict from the Oceans movies, where he <laughs> he got his money from the insurance company, but he wants his money back from you. He'll kill and you, he, and then he'll go to town on you. <laughs> yeah, 
He'll kill you. Then he'll go to work. Then he'll really go to work on you. <laughs> yeah, no, he wants his money back <laughs> twice, and he want yep. and the vig has been running. Yep. Like that's just the kind of guy, and that's Moff Gideon too. Yeah, just with a better actor. So, so, um, so you're buying it because I'm even though I came up with oh. it, I'm selling that one because it feels too no. hopeless. Well, the thing as is, an adult, I would like that, but as a it, show for both like adults and kids, I I'm just struggling with them going that dark with it. You know what I mean? It's not it's not hopeless because at, at that point you then have to say, uh, you know, maybe depending on how they play everything out with Ahsoka Tano, mm-hmm. depending on how they play everything out with Bo Katan, and and uh, I was gonna say, I almost said I almost said Lara Dune again, Cara Dune and Grief Karga. If he loses all of that, but he has the backing of one or two of them. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to tie them back in and, and then push them, push Mando with one of them for the beginning of season three and then push this whole other arc. Because that might be the thing that that brings him, could be bring him closer to Bo-Katan where he's now trying to get the child, but he's also more in line with what Bo-Katan is doing for trying to get all of Mandalorians together. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but dude, I'm, I'm buying that because all that right. is just so like off the boards of what we've seen before that's true that's true. oh come on dude someone get favreau on the phone right now i don't care what time it is if i don't care if he is taping it on one of those chef shows that's right that's right i've I, i've got ideas just show me the money <laughs> you uh, it's all about the money <laughs> Make money, money, make money, money, money. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. It's all about the glorious money. Yeah. And making that three fifty. Well, that too. Three fifty. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still very disappointed that you didn't chime in with that on your business meeting. Well, you I, know, I wouldn't have been able to hold off. I, you got to maintain again, some, some decorum, my friend. That's that. That just shows your your discretion and restraint. I would have, I would have been like three fifty. I'll submit my resignation letter. <laughs> All right, sir. So, what do you got for another and another thing this week? Uh, my and another thing is is pretty simple, um, and it's just based on just something I did on a whim this week. Uh, you know, we we had talked a couple weeks back about, or a couple episodes back about uh, Jack White's performance on Saturday Night Live that got me mm. rolling into uh, listening to the White Stripes again. Uh, that was the band he formed with uh, with Meg White, and uh, yeah, just started listening from the beginning. The mastery and and the skill that this man employs the blues into his music is just something to behold. And and I I just have to say, start go to Spotify, look up their discography, start at the beginning, work your way forward. Don't start with Seven Nation Army and and the stuff he's known for. Start with the old stuff. Start with the beginning, because mm-hmm. my goodness, this guy, I I am convinced he is a student of the blues. Uh, through and through. I mean, he he just knows how to generate a texture, and he knows how to just just bring emotion out out of the songs that he plays. You know, not every song is you know is blues based. Let let's be honest. You know, I mean they 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 yeah. are, a, you know they they are a band of the two thousands, and and it's not a a it's not a hundred percent blues. But there's just there there's songs there there's little gems in there that you listen to, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this guy is just you 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 know he's listened to a lot of the old school stuff. You know what I mean? Oh to, yeah. To 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 bring that forth and 
Uh, and and I, I just I really enjoy him as a musician. Uh, I enjoy the music they produced, and and uh, yeah. So just uh, it, it's really just if you're looking to to dive into something uh, that you haven't dove into for a while or, or have never dove into, do check out the White Stripes. Check out Jack White. Uh, just you you will not be disappointed because it it is rich, it is deep, and it is bluesy, baby. Yeah. Oh, and I I do have an admiration for Jack White, even though there is parts of him where uh, parts of the overall Jack White package where I'm like, eh, it's a little manufactured and smarmy. But overall, I mean, yeah, this is a guy who, you know, he has done his homework. He is well oh, yeah. steeped in, in, in music history. And you know that he could quote you chapter and verse when it comes to who was the guitar player on such and such an album that, you know, they didn't even list the guitar player on the album. He he did the homework and found out for himself, and uh, and that's one of those things where I always, I always thought that um, people missed out on Keith Richards or, or can miss out on Keith Richards, and and he can be kind of a punchline of oh yeah you know, uh, you know Keith Richards uh, housekeeper shocked to find him alive every day for the past twenty years or whatever you know those sort of memes or you know what sort of a world are we going to leave for <laughs> Keith Richards, you know those sort of, but dude you you read his his biography and then you watch you know there's a there's a special i think it's on netflix or a documentary on netflix it's like a you know under the influence and you hear him talk about musicians and you suddenly realize like oh my gosh this guy has forgotten more about music than i've ever known yeah yeah like he he knows his stuff and he can go back and tell you things that you're like oh wow I thought I knew some stuff, but I don't. And uh, Jack White strikes me very much in the same vein, just with a lot less heroin, where he kind of knows all of those things. And he knows when he's when he's playing something, all of the kind of the family tree of where it came from. Mm. So that's always been one of my big admiration points that in the whole, uh, you know, the fact that he doesn't make it easy on himself. He 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 makes it difficult. And I've always kind of admired that as well. And what is your sir? Well, sir, you actually inspired me. I had one, and then I, I kind of decided to change uh, up in the midstream here because actually I think I did this last week or the week before that, that I, I had this one on deck, and I, I changed it up. So I'm changing back to what I changed up to from before. So if you can keep track of that, you're a better person than I am huh? because I'm t- what? I'm totally lost at this Where? point. Where? How? Why? However, my, my and another thing this week is a new album. Uh, released this year uh, by an artist called the Fantastic Negrito, who I discovered this guy a couple of years ago uh, and his debut album, uh, the, the Last Days of Oakland. And it is it, it kind of uh, it's classified, at least in iTunes, it's classified as rock. I found him under a under like the blues heading either on Spotify or someplace else. I can't remember exactly where I came across uh, this guy, but Oh my gosh! It's like the it's it's like the, rooted in the blues, but with a very modern kind of just uh, I don't even know how to put it. It's really hard to categorize hmm. this guy. But the 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 album is called "Have You Lost Your Mind Yet," which is the perfect album for 2020. Hmm. Let me just tell you. And the first. Uh, the first track off of this is called Chocolate Samurai, and it the whole album kicks ass. I mean, it's it's just a great 
album. Uh, but it features uh, Tank and the Bangas and uh, 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 E-40, Massa Kohama. I mean, uh, just a, a couple of different people who are on this. But overall, it, it just the... The overall sound is just so unique, and it's one of those things where you're not going to mistake this guy for anybody else. Yeah, yeah. And he is unique, and he has a lot to say, and it's a lot of this has to do with like kind of people's mental state and and mental illness and 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 trauma, and and there's a lot to delve into. I mean, it's 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 one of those things you can listen to it on one level. As you listen to it more and more, you start understanding that there's a lot of other levels below it. Uh, but overall, and and the other part is the music just kicks ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just it's really good. Nice. So definitely check that out and uh, and make that a regular part of your playlist. Uh, as I said uh, before, he had an album in 2016 called The Last Days of Oakland, and then uh, his 2018 album was called Please Don't Be Dead. <laughs> I mean. That pretty much says it all. Uh, yeah. So definitely go ahead and spend a lot of time this week listening to Fantastic Negrito, and you will not be sorry. Nice. Nice. Well, sir, it appears that we have come to the end of our time. We are we are kind of closing in on the, the final moments of this episode. Uh, we'd like to take this moment to thank all the members of the, the idiotic congregation for coming together mm-hmm. for 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 listening for subscribing for being being part of the family uh, we do appreciate all that if you have not mm-hmm. become part of the free range idiocy congregation Amen. I don't know why I don't know why I'm feeling the need to call it that but you know maybe we spent all that time we talked about cults earlier I don't know uh, <laughs> good lord what's happening now but uh, spirits but moving sure, you, brother spirits moving you. Be sure to go to freerangeidiocy.com. You can find all of our episodes there. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. We are also on Spotify and Podbean. We are on the social medias at uh, Free Range Idiocy. That is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Those are all at Free Range Idiocy. If you have any questions, concerns, outright bribes, suggestions, or, well, if you want to send like eight cases of seltzer to Tim, you send that to Tim at freerangeidiocy.com. Mm-hmm. He will be sure to get back to you. And now, you know what? I think it's about time we wrap this sucker up. Uh, and we ask this question uh, each week. Tim, what have we learned? Well, once again, Favreau and Filoni, diabolical geniuses. Oh, yes. Bryce Dallas Howard, fantastic. Knocked it out of the park on this episode. Salute. Salute and more salute. Katie Sackoff, welcome to the Star Wars family. Yes. Wonderful to see her as Bo-Katan. Do it. Do it. And looking forward to a lot of different storylines playing out. We're we're, oh. we're getting deep. 136-minute episode started, just opened the door. It, it opened the Pandora's box to some Star Wars oh. history and to some very good storytelling to come. So... I, for one, am am just really jazzed and excited to see where this show is going to go. And wow, you used the word jazz. That's that means you're really excited. Jazz hands, baby. Jazz hands. Are you are you hepped as well? Uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Ease off of the seltzer. Ease uh, out of the bourbon. Um, oh, that too. But uh, oh, no, increase the bourbon, decrease the seltzer. Okay. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. 
But uh, as always, uh, be good to one another. Uh, be safe. Be healthy. And, uh, you know, we we have to pay the bills. Uncle Todd's got the firewood to stock. He's got the pool to fill, at least for next season. And mm-hmm. uh, probably has a few, uh, you know, just as nice and easy that he wants to sprinkle in there somewhere. I've, I've got a few choice bourbons I've got my eye on. Well, he does. He does. So we, we, you know, we need to be economical and watch the money. So please, mm-hmm. if you would, hit the lights on the way out. It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. Smell of your corn liquor or brewing is going to drive poor Miss Dryda right out of her mind. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Damn! No! Not now! Not ever! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Do you hear me? I will use every cannon, every bomb. Shut up, Wesley. Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. Beer. It's all I got left. So say we all. So say we all. Mostly.